They say this hurricane season has been one for the books, but this may be the only time we've ever said books are overrated. I'm your host, Tracy Wirtz, and today on 10 Talks Acadiana, we put Acadiana's best weather minds in one room to take a look at a hurricane season that broke records, broke hearts, but never broke Louisiana's spirits. KLFY's Live Doppler Storm Team talks about the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season, now on 10 Talks Acadiana. 10 Talks Acadiana. The podcast powered by KLFY.com. I'm Chief Meteorologist Heath Morton. I'm Meteorologist Trevor Sonier. And I'm Meteorologist Chris Cozart. We are here to talk about the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. And um, guys, as we know, it was uh, one for the record books. Yeah, it was uh, a doozy, right? I mean, uh, one that rivaled 2005, yeah. and that was right. something that they talked about before the season even yeah. began. You know, all the preseason forecasts said it was going to be a hyperactive right. season, and uh, we know it pretty well that it was here in Louisiana, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, 30 named storms that broke the record of 28 uh, back in uh, uh, 2005 with Katrina, when those hit, Katrina and Rita, and um, uh, we had uh, to go to the Greek alphabet. So so it was one of those that we'll never forget. Of course, it was in a pandemic year, a very strange year. Um, and uh, fitting that we get a hurricane season like this. Unfortunately, uh, we had to deal with a real bad one. Yeah, we can go over some. We had yeah. five landfalls. Five. Now there was two yeah. major, well, there was three major ones. I wasn't right. even thinking about that. Three big ones. But right. I mean, what, the first one was, uh, let's see, Cristobal, right? Cristobal. And that wasn't a very good yeah, one, right? Yeah, that was I mean, an early season storm. Right. Most of those early season storms are a mess with that right. wind shear. So that one didn't do too much. And then we had uh, Delta, of course, and then Laura here in Louisiana. Marco didn't really do too yeah, much. Marco that, was that another one, out right? That right. tore that thing up. Uh, that was the one that was out ahead of Laura, if my memory serves me right. correctly. Yeah. Uh, that one got torn up. And, and remember, there was yeah. a big uh, talk about that, which yep. one was going to get named first. Right. And then yep. there was going to be two big systems in yep. the Gulf of Mexico. Yep. Of course, Marco fizzled out, and then Laura just took over. And uh, we know what happened with Laura there. And then uh, very late in the season, right, it was uh, Zeta. 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 Zeta was the big one that yeah. uh, New Orleans really got yeah. uh, hit with there. So it was uh, east of us, but we had already taken uh, two pretty pretty big shots from uh, from Laura and Delta earlier that, that season. Yeah, and you know, uh, one thing that's really concerning is the way these hurricanes are strengthening before they make landfall um, yeah. in the Gulf of Mexico. Rapid intensification. We saw uh, Laura that went from a tropical storm to a Cat 5 in a very short period of time. And, and that's one thing that we're really concerned about doing a lot of research on you know, with, uh, with the latest data coming in. It's just, it's very difficult uh, to forecast that sometimes. Well, one thing that was notable, you do have a rapid intensification right. over the central Gulf. You have that warm water eddy that's right. there. That's not atypical. What's atypical is that when it's making landfall, right. it's still strengthening. You have those cooler shelf waters right off the Louisiana coast. So hurricanes should be weakening gradually. Right as they make landfall this year it seems like they pretty much peaked out right at landfall was, and that's something that'll yeah. have to be studied and we were talking about that what was the one um, that was east of us that pretty much rapidly intensified even though it was overnight storm and it kind of slowed itself down there a really slow moving one i think it was the m storm or is that uh, ringing a bell the one that was over uh, that uh, actually made uh, 
the landfall in Alabama, right? Was it Sally? Sally. Sally. Oh, Sally. Sally. Yeah. So that was one yeah. that was yeah. one that like it should have been weakening. Right. It stood over there. It looked uh -huh. like it was going to New Orleans at one right. point, yep. and then it went eastward. Uh -huh. uh, but it stayed over the waters. It was slow. That mm -hmm. should have churned up the water. Should have cooled it, and it rapidly intensified yeah. before making yeah. landfall. Just and landfall. we 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 had nine storms this year rapidly right. intensify, which uh, the criteria is usually 35 miles per hour in in 24 hours. So a 35 right. mile per hour jump in 24 hours. We actually. Had three storms this year that increased 100 miles per hour in 36 hours, and Delta was one of those. Yeah, incredible. And we thought Delta would really weaken because we had cooler waters. I mean, this was early to mid October. We had cooler waters over the northern Gulf. Also, we had wind shear, mm -hmm. and it just mm -hmm. kept strengthening. And Laura did the same thing. Uh, we had uh, some slightly cooler waters and a lot of wind shear across the extreme northern Gulf. I should say a lot, but there was wind shear there, but it continued to strengthen pretty much too. So, those are things we're going to have to really look at intensity forecast with hurricanes and tropical systems that's the biggest downfall that we have we're pretty good about forecasting where they're going to make landfall but the intensity is something that we've definitely got to work on you know as meteorologists and you know michael two years ago and um it was a uh, 2018 that hit panama City's at cat five very similar to laura it was a weak system near the yucatan and the hurricane center had it making landfall a couple days out as a cat two or three and that's the way they had laura so mm -hmm. i was getting concerned this looks a lot like michael did very similar and sure enough it blew up like uh, michael did laura and, did. and you can see the the you know we don't get the rapid intensification right very much i mean right. you can kind of see it's 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 poised to do right. that, but uh, we definitely have the path a lot better. Right. And, and even Laura, we were a little off on the path. I uh -huh. think it was a little further east, uh, but fortunately, uh, Acadiana really was fortunate with everything here compared to what they saw in Lake Charles. Delta, weaker system, but it really right. caused a lot more problems here. One thing that would be interesting to find out, the modeling, GFS, European, they weren't as good as other years. And remember, you mentioned it earlier, yeah. we were in a pandemic. Yeah. So a lot of those workers uh, may have not been in uh, those uh, places where they run the models. Right. Maybe a lot of tweaking wasn't done on those models. I'm just curious to know how the coronavirus affected the yeah. accuracy I, I of some of those I know that they do take models and they take uh, information from airplanes too, just commercial yeah. jets, yeah. take uh, you know temperatures in the upper mm -hmm. levels of the atmosphere. So there wasn't as much air traffic right. for this year and that could have caused some problems yep. as well because the, the models weren't getting as much data as they're used to seeing. And we know the European, which is, everyone knows the European because people always ask me, what's the European show? It was a little off this year. It had a, too much of a Western bias. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of the time with Laura, it took it to Houston. And the GFS was very consistent with it moving toward western Louisiana, eastern Texas, and that's where it made landfall. And a lot of the systems this year, we did see um, the European with a, too much of a western bias. And there was a GFS upgrade this year, wasn't yes. there? Yes. There was. Yes. So there were, I think there was more ensembles and everything in there uh -huh. included in that. So uh, uh, basically they were getting more data into right. that model. And it, it did. It made a difference. It seemed like it did. Uh, it definitely handled uh, lore significantly much better than, right. the, than the European model did. Yeah, and that's another thing too, is that's why we can't just hone in on one model. We have to look at everything um, and the uh, computer data that we look at, uh, we're looking at data all the time. And three days out, uh, these models change. I know Alora, a lot of the models had it going toward New Orleans, Biloxi, three or four days out. Of course, it made landfall west of us. 
Uh, so you try to look at that consistency and that trend of what the models are doing. And I'll say the, uh, the HWRF was really good this year, especially yeah. with intensity. Uh, that's a tropical model, and it did really well. Um, it, it seemed like overall the tropical models did pretty well, but yeah. again, that's more of a short-range forecast. You would hope that those are going right. to be a little bit better than these global models that extend out 7 to 10 days, 14 days in some cases, you know. Well, one thing I think it's important for us to important for us to stress is that on social media you'll see uh, these weather pages mm -hmm. posting a, sp a specific model run four or five days out from landfall right. mostly the european or the gfs model and it's just not smart to do that right. and it's not smart to uh, take that information as uh, you know the ground truth because these models can change right and you said it, uh, the models changed rapidly with a few of these storms so i wouldn't really hone in on one model right. run that you see on one page some weather page that's uh, irresponsibly posting stuff exactly. like that just take all the information into account and of course and, we do a good job and there's yeah. a lot of information yeah there's a lot right. and the, this season was one for the record just going over some things here uh this was the fifth year in a row that it was above average mm -hmm. activity uh, i think this was uh obviously it's going to get a lot of more press because right. of the 12 landfalls and the uh the major impacts across the u.s uh this is the fifth year in a row with a cat five uh that uh, broke the uh, previous record which was only three years in a row so uh, things on that. What do you think, uh, Heath? I know we're kind of we're way away from the 2021 hurricane yeah. season, but uh, you know, in response, we were just looking at this from the 2005 to 2006. Mm -hmm. 2006 just dropped off. There was only 10 storms right. in 2006. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, what's right now a very very early prediction, or at least what's your thoughts on 2021? I, I definitely think it'll be quieter, which is not going to take much to to do that. It's it's going to be hard to uh, you know match up. You know a season like this um i think we go we're in that la nina of course la nina seasons usually mean more activity uh, we should be trending more toward el nino where there's more wind shear across the atlantic um, not necessarily the Gulf. We don't see a lot of wind shear across the Gulf with El Nino, mostly across the Atlantic. So I think we trend toward a neutral or a weak El Nino, so it should be a quieter season. Um, let's hope so, simply because uh, I don't know if we can deal with another uh, season like this. Not Louisiana, yeah. for sure. I mean, this one, again, uh, for a record, I guess the only, my only concern going forward, and, you know, I don't, yeah. we're not going to get into climate change or anything like that, but, you know, we went from 2005 to 2020 now, right. 15 years between two of the most active seasons right. that's a little too much of a short time frame right uh, because active seasons always happen you know right. back in the early 1900s it was active seasons but they were more spread out uh, 15 years is a little too much of a short time frame I hope that's not a trend that continues that we another 15 years we see another 20 uh, 2020 or 2005 we've been in this really it goes in like the multi-decadal oscillation though that throw that word out there <laughs> <laughs> try to spell that word anyway no uh, um, we've been in a very active multi-decadal os oscillation since 1995. Those usually last uh, 15 to 40 years. So we've been in it 25 years. So we should be coming out of that. And it should be, you know, hurricane seasons are not as active. Um, and we should be trending toward that. We thought we were around 2015, but then we had the last four years, which have been really active. But 
hopefully we are getting into that phase I, I of that think, cycle. I think there is that kind of light at the end of the tunnel for right. that. But again, only time will tell on that. And, and you know, you can't just take one hurricane season and say that's global right. warming, that's climate change. That's right. just not how climate change works. Exactly. So you can't just specifically look at that. Just like if it snows in January here, you can't say, right. oh, look at no global warming. Yeah, it right. just does not work like well, that. Well, one thing I'd like to add, you know, for people that really focus on the numbers, they didn't name subtropical systems until I think the 1970s. Right. And then you know, before that, we didn't have satellites. So some right. of these storms out in the far, far corners yeah. of the Atlantic, there was one that they named, I think it was near Spain or something uh -huh. like that, near Portugal. Yeah. Storms like that probably wouldn't have been named 30, 40 years ago. So that's not to take away from the climate change aspect. Right. It's just how, how much are the numbers being increased now because of naming subtropical systems and also catching these uh, short-lived oh, systems out in the Atlantic. No doubt about it. Technology yeah. makes a big, big difference. Yeah. I, I think they went back in 05 and they missed a storm back in 05, you know? Yep. So yeah. uh, this year, I think they saw everything that they needed to see yeah. this year. Hopefully they didn't add any more on there, but uh, I think you're absolutely right on that, Trevor, that you, you just can't, you got to take the numbers with a grain of salt. Yeah. You just yeah. cannot do, uh, you can't say, well, that was the most active, so we definitely have global warming, but uh, it's certainly something that you have to look at the overall picture. I agree. And, uh, you know, we, as we move forward in time, we'll definitely have more research and more technology to, you know, analyze all this data and, and know exactly what's going on. But one thing that I've noticed, too, is the heavy rain events along the Gulf Coast last five years or so. Um, you know, these like 2016, that was not a named storm. Um, and we're having these big flood events, these 500 year flood events, which Beaumont, southeastern Texas, they've seen about two or three of these in five years. Um, you know, with a tropical storm last year, dumped 40 inches, we had, they had Harvey. So they're becoming more common, which is scary. Uh, they're, they're not moving much, they're and producing a lot of Ada, rain. Ada dumped about, Ada. Uh, what, three feet of rain there yeah. across Central America. And, yeah. and that, you know, our carbon dioxide gets a lot of the, uh, the fame for climate change and right. all that, but water vapor, the water exactly. vapor is getting a lot, a lot more. Of, there's a lot more water vapor in the air. And these storms, I think these hurricanes, there is something to that. They are producing a good amount of rainfall that they've never used to before. And that that's uh, alarming. Um, 2016 was a very quiet hurricane season, but we did have the flood. Um, and people, that's another thing too, is people, they pay attention when there's a name, but it doesn't have to have a name to produce a lot of uh, rain um, and, and problems with flooding because, um, you know, these slow moving systems in the summertime with a lot of tropical moisture uh, can dump three or four inches of rain an hour. You get something like that that sits over here for, you know, three or four hours like we did in 2016, uh, you can really see that rainfall pile up in a hurry. So uh, hopefully that's not a trend, but it looks like uh, over the last, I'll say four or five years, southeastern Texas, southern Louisiana, we've seen those type of events that uh, we really have to watch out for. Um, I think another component of that if you look at historical storms they made landfall and 24 48 hours later they were in the Ohio River right, Valley yeah. and now yeah. it seems like these systems are slowing down right. at landfall I don't know if it's a lack of the upper level winds that just cannot steer these storms off to the north uh, quicker but these storms have definitely been slowing down yeah. even looping right near landfall and I think that you also have to take that into account when you're talking about the high the copious I, amounts I, of I rainfall so too. I mean that, and, and I saw some research already talking about that about mm -hmm. these storms slowing down. I, right. I'm not good with names. What was the one last year in the Bahamas that uh, all, pretty much stalled out right over the Bahamas? It was a Category 5. It was um, Irma? Was that Irma? 
No, it wasn't Irma. Put it these was, guys on the spot all the time. A, I'm not good it, with names, but that was neither. another one. Basically, I'm just uh, trying to go back to that. Yeah. That one just was going straight to yeah. Florida, stopped right over the Bahamas, a Category yeah. 5, sitting right over the – and it, it's it's what Trevor's bringing up is how slow the systems yeah. all of a sudden are becoming. And uh, I couldn't imagine. And what uh, it was uh, it was Ada or Iota? Ada, I think, stopped right there in Central America. Right. I, it was a Category 4 that barely made landfall. Yeah, and then, too, another thing to bring that up, the two hurricanes hit within 12 miles of each other, Laura and Delta and Louisiana, and then down there in Central America, it was um, Ada, and, Ada Iota. and Iota that hit within about 10 miles of each other. Complete coincidence. I think it was I mean, coincidence. I don't, I don't think we just had so many storms. It's right, like uh, yeah. shooting a shotgun shell. You're going to exactly. have beads that are a little pellets right. next to each other. It's just uh, it was a coincidental right. thing. But it was bad news for Lake Charles. Bad news right. for us when we had to deal with Delta and Laura back to back. And I think um, you know you look back too when you look at these hurricanes. Laura was a Cat Four, almost Cat Five. Delta was high end Cat Two. Well, middle road cat too. And we saw more damage from Delta, even though they made landfall near the same location. Now Delta did come a little closer to us, but we have to look at as well as how far the wind spread out inside of those hurricanes because with Laura they were tightly compact and we didn't see as much, but with Delta they spread out and we saw and we we think that there was so much dry air yep. on the southern end of that that it led to evaporational cooling which really helped bring those winds down on the ground. And, and that night, I mean I'll, I'll yep. never forget that because we were flying blind because there was no rain for the radar to pick up right. so we could not see if there was any winds and boy when that when it that did. when the center of that when the eye got north of I-10 it hit here pretty quickly and it, it just did. never wanted to stop. Yeah, right. you always, you still have to look at that upper level pattern right. because the anatomy of every storm is different. So that yeah. dry air got in there, it rushed those winds down to the surface and we saw probably more damage across the Canadiana, like you said, than we did yeah. with Laura. So that was definitely a learning experience for me, knowing to uh, look at the anatomy of the hurricane and look at the, the kinematics of it, exactly what's going on with that dry air. It, it makes a difference. It did with I mean, we had yeah. We had stronger wind gusting or in uh, like Jeff Davis and Acadia Parish and Lafayette Parish than we did along the coast. Yeah. And yeah. that tells me something something was a little bit weird with that system that the those stronger winds aloft came down after landfall because that's not that's not typical we should have seen the strongest winds there along the coast right where the landfall was made you know very bizarre um, and hopefully there'll be some research that goes into that almost like a gravity wave you know after rain moves out you just get these strong winds that come down um, but that's uh that was an interesting storm kind of like um we have to go back to uh, what was it 20 2008 when we had Ike that hit Texas it was a high-end cat too but it was as you know the the storm surge and the winds here were as bad as Rita so and it was a much weaker storm than Rita and hit hit farther west so we do have to look inside that storm and see what's going on we can't just base it on how you know what category it is. and Ike actually went up to Ohio yeah. and it had very high winds just like what we were talking about with Delta and there was gravity waves over the Ohio yeah. River Valley and we had 70 to 90 mile per hour wind gusts in Cincinnati and Columbus it was like it, yeah. it was a hurricane it was uh, everybody was completely caught off guard and, and because it was gravity waves really brought those winds down yeah it's a it's amazing every storm is different <laughs> it is. you know you you look at one and you think oh this is going to be like 
so-and-so. This is going to be like so-and-so. You know, you compare, everybody compares stuff to Katrina and Rita around here. Um, and, you know, they act differently. They're different beasts. So we have to look and see what's going on at the moment, see what's going on in the atmosphere to try to figure out exactly what we're going to see from well, the storm. I can't remember the exact numbers, but in terms of storm surge with Hurricane Laura versus like a Hurricane Ike or Hurricane yeah. Rita, Hurricane Rita and Hurricane Ike actually surpassed Laura yeah. in some locations, I believe, yeah. especially further east across like Vermilion Bay and, and uh, Sippermore Point, places like that. Right. So th that's it goes on what you were saying. It has to uh, really, it depends on the wind, the wind field, how large the wind field is, and that water, the fetch, uh, how long that water is being driven. I think that makes a difference too in terms of storm surge as well. It does, and, that, and that's a tough thing to forecast storm surge. Um, it's, it's very difficult because uh, you look at the winds and inside the storm and it's hard to tell how high that water is going to come up you know along the coast and we thought with um you know laura that it was going to be a lot worse than lake charles but it wasn't as bad and i think the you know from what we're understanding too i remember everybody jumping on that that it wasn't it wasn't as bad but the storm surge that they forecasted almost it did verify there between the cameron right. and million parish line there's just nothing out there to right. really see that happen and right. that's not a bad thing right i mean you didn't want the worst case scenario for lake charles it could have been much much worse for them but they really dealt with the winds over there and another thing too is we have these slosh mounts we've shown before but it shows if a cap say four or five hit Vermilion Bay, how high the storm surge would come up. Uh, they're just models, but they do show that storm surge coming as far north as Lafayette if a Cat 5 hit near Vermilion Bay, a Cat 4 uh, up to Youngsville. I remember the night of uh, Laura, they had the storm surge in downtown Lake Charles getting to, I believe, six to seven or maybe even yeah. eight feet, mm -hmm. which uh, luckily that didn't verify. Right, yeah. But it shows you how bad it could have been. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like those are models that we look at, but uh, we haven't seen a major hurricane hit like Vermilion Bay. We hope we never do. And I know that's what, ever since I've lived here, everybody's talked about, you know, if it happens, it'd be catastrophic. And we thought with, um, with Delta, you know, the models were showing a Cat 3 coming right through Vermilion Bay a few days out. We were getting really nervous. Uh, but luckily, it, it wasn't as strong as we initially thought and it went a little farther west the closest was probably lily yeah back in 2002 you were uh, here yeah, yeah the um the model showed about a category four mm -hmm. going through vermilion bay about I, i'd say 36 hours before landfall right. and it just weakened and that weakening trend was not forecasted yeah that that was a blessing right there because yeah. it was that was i know a lot of people say that delta was similar um to um, Lily, yeah. but I, I remember the day before looking at it, seeing a Cat 4 over the Gulf, thinking, man, I feel bad for Louisiana. The next day I see it made landfall as a Cat 1, I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. You know, the cooler waters over the northern every, Gulf. Like you said, every storm, every setup, everything's different. Yep. I think it would be... It, it, it's going to be a crazy one in a million shot to have a Cat 5, Cat 4 even come yeah. up that perfect way. I, I just, yeah. I, I don't know if we'll ever see it in our lifetime. I hope we don't, but I just, it just, it just has to be just so perfect yeah. that I just don't, I don't think we'll ever see it. It's, it's, it is. I mean, it had to be, you think Laura was close. I mean, too close for comfort um, and it could happen, but it, you think about all the coast, you know, even the East coast, the Gulf coast hitting that small area, it's, you know, the chances that even you know hitting as a cat four or five very very slim chance mm -hmm. of that happening we had barry they hit down there but it was a you know weak system last year 
category one they hit down there you know vermilion bay and went north um, but uh, it may happen at some point but hopefully it won't be in our lifetime yeah, yeah. that was a weird storm because it, i was in vermilion bay Barry. during hurricane barry and the sun was out and i was yeah. about to make a sandwich and have a picnic yeah. all, <laughs> all the winds were like real far south yeah of the it was almost subtropical like yeah, in nature our uh, dalford was in i believe morgan city and he was seeing some uh 70 80 mile per hour winds but i was right yeah. near that eye wall and i, I wasn't that. seeing anything i remember that yeah um well we uh we've talked about hurricanes a lot of people <laughs> know about winter weather which is rare here. I will say that in this type of setup, a weak La Nina, La Nina is when we usually see winter weather. So we have a chance usually. this year. We'll see. Yeah. Keith I mean, and I every year every wish year. cast for that <laughs> yeah. uh, Gulf Coast snowstorm. The last time we had a La Nina, we had a snow in December. Yeah. And so, but yeah. uh, we have yet to see anything that really verifies yet uh, on the models for that to happen. Yeah, and it's usually in December. Yeah. Yeah. What's today? The tenth. Yep. It'll be twelve years ago tomorrow. We had a big snow. And then um, the, on the eighth, three years ago, yeah, it was about three years. That was the last La Nina yeah, year. Was we had snow, ago. and then we had some that January too mm -hmm. in, in 18, 2018. So it's possible, folks. <laughs> Will we have a white Christmas? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Very slim chance. But uh, you know, a lot of people want to know about you know the snow chances. So it's there, but it's slim. I think with La Nina, we could have that five percent chance this year let's throw the graph we have a graphic we'll recap what we've talked about uh 20, 20 atlantic hurricane season 30 name storms breaking 2005 record of 28 10 name storms in september that was the most of any month of record you know uh, most storms that formed uh, any month of the hurricane season on record most u.s landfalls 12 breaking the record of 9 1916 five struck louisiana so um, nearly half of those struck louisiana first time with two major hurricanes in november as far as i know there's never been a, a major hurricane that's hit or a hurricane that's hit louisiana in november and we hope we never see that almost saw it with um with zeta but it was close. Uh, that was october late yep. october yep. So anything you guys want to add? No, I mean, I think we just can finally breathe easy. It's right. finally over, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, at, at National Hurricane Center is still kind of looking at different things well out in the Atlantic, but right. uh, the season we can finally put an end to. Yeah, I think, you know, we're pretty much done here um, for sure. Of course, we've had stuff that formed in the Atlantic in January, but anything. Well, that's why I'm not saying those words until January 1st, 2021. <laughs> yeah. The way this year has gone, this year. never know. Yeah, maybe we won't see any of that for Christmas, you know. I don't think so. <laughs> Hurricane on Christmas is probably unlikely. <laughs> we usually have tornadoes on Christmas. Yes. Right? Yeah. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. For meteorologist Chris Cozart, meteorologist Trevor Sunny, I'm chief meteorologist Heath Morton. Hopefully uh, the 2021 season will be much, much quieter. 10 Talks at Kadiana. Subscribe wherever podcasts are downloaded. A Star Media production.